Hello and welcome to We Heard Wonders, the music podcast that a Seven Nation Army couldn't hold back. It's like we're at a football game. <laughs> well, we're at a football game 15 years ago or something like that. How you doing, uh, man? Such a laddish podcast. <laughs> That's what they say, says no one. <laughs> How you doing? I'm good, I'm good. How are you? I've got, well, a, I've got a new uh, Zoom backdrop this week. Yeah, it's different different kitchen cupboards. Yes, yeah. I'm, much. Um, I'm up in Dundee uh, for a couple of days. Um, so yeah, so so a wee bit of change of scenery for me and for you, what should we? Yeah, well, and, Andrew, you of course have a very famous uh, Instagram. Tell us about it. I do, yeah. I buy records and write about them on Instagram at kidagh86. And I noticed on uh, Andrew's Instagram today that on your holiday in Dundee, you had visited the wee record shop. I had, yeah. Um, the, Dundee was always famous for a record shop called Groucho Records, which was a oh, bit yeah. of a kind of institution. And um, kind of been threatened to close it several times. And unfortunately a couple of years ago now they eventually closed uh, but a lot of the people that were working there are now working in this new record shop that's opened up called 13 records hmm. um, which is a reference to the incredible track by big star so um, hold on so groucho is shut but you would give this new record shop top marks but yeah i mean i was I, I was sold on the big star reference first of all and having visited it, I can uh, heartily recommend it. It was a really pleasurable experience. Um, did you buy yourself some some vinyl? I did. I did. No S, vinyl. Nice, yeah. I got two, and it's still vinyl. Um, I, yeah, I did. So I got some. I'll, I'm going to hold them up for you. So this is an audio podcast, but I can see. I can see what Andrew's yeah. holding up here. So let's have a okay, look. Okay, so the first one is. I don't know if you can see this really well. It's some, um, it's very on brand for me. So it's some Brazilian psychedelic funk from 1969. Of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, Os Brazos, they're called. Um, looking very tribal on the front cover. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I've, actually, yeah I've, I've heard this record before. I've been meaning to get a copy for a while. So I saw it and I thought I was going to go for that. Um, reissue on Mr. Bongo Records. Did you go in yourself or did you have your, your partner with you? When you were um, there? My wife, uh, my sister yes. and uh, our respective sons were with us. Uh, you, but you, but they, they all went off and went and looked at some bath bombs and stuff. And <laughs> I just, just can't imagine. Me to it. I just can't imagine you turning to your significant other and saying, yes, I definitely need this 1969 <laughs> Brazilian psych <laughs> funk record. Can't imagine that conversation. Uh, well, that's why she lets me do it by myself, and then yeah. <laughs> once I've bought it, I can't really. Complain. Can't go back, of course, yeah. of course, so, of course. <laughs> um, so I got that, and I also got this one. Pigeon, <laughs> amazing. Yeah. yeah, so a podcast legend, absolutely. So lovely four-track EP with a big, massive fuck off pigeon on the front. There it is. Before. Yeah. <laughs> So I had to have that in my collection. <laughs> it's, it's a weird combination of an absolutely like balls out amazing tune and just the weirdest cover <laughs> up. It's so strange. 
Yeah, so, so that had to go in the collection as well. I mean, I, I don't have to justify that to Kirsty. She 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 knows that that's 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 something that needs to be had. Yeah, yeah she knows that. She can't claim foul when she sees Pedro. <laughs> um. So uh. So yeah, I didn't introduce myself there at all, and I'm going to now. Here it comes. Uh, my name's you? Ian. I'm in Glasgow band, the Deadline Shakes, and you can find us on social medias uh, at Deadline Shakes. So this week we've got another kind of hybrid. Um, podcast, we've got an interview and we also have some new music We do, yep so we've got a brilliant interview with uh, Jill from Jalorian uh, which is a really exciting new project um, and she's picked some tunes for us as well which are really, really interesting her, um, um, her, her answers to all of our questions Andrew were like, we haven't talked about this yet because we've just finished the interview there a few minutes ago but they were really, really thoughtful and, and like really like I think make the make you want to listen to the record uh, in full, and hopefully our listeners will, will do that. No, totally. A really engaging guest, and yeah. we're really grateful for having her on. Yeah. Um, and the other side of that interview, we've got reviews of three new tracks, as you say, uh, from Pusher T, Jack White, and Chronics. And you'll be rounding off the podcast with your now traditional vinyl word. Where you take something from your your own collection of vinyl and, and and link it to what we've been listening to today, is that right? Yes, indeed. Yeah, so it's a pretty a pretty much a an audio buffet we've got today. Really, we've got lots of lots of lots of treats for everybody. Um, so I guess without too much further ado, then let's just get cracking because we've got quite a lot to get through here. So we're going to be listening to a Jill Lorian track um, called Needing, um, which we talk about quite a lot during the interview. Yeah, I think it's a really, as I, as I say to Jill, it's a really fun, rollicking, dynamic track, uh, but it's got a lot of really interesting things going on with the lyrics as well. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's got a sort of fairy tale kind of story tale, story tale? storytelling kind of uh, thing going on with the lyrics that I really, really enjoy. And um, I think that the, the singing, Jill's singing is quite like... Um, stripped back and quite you know unadorned and very clear so the storytelling element of it really really shines through um which is which is something to 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 enjoy when you listen to the track so yeah here we go first up today um you're going to hear needing by jill lorian and then our interview with joe she had sugar on her shoes and flour on her cheeks Sometimes they would bleed She gathered all the grain And measured out the ease And she began to need and need and need She wrote a She clicked her heels, she was still on the same cold island. 
track from This Rock, the excellent debut LP from Jill Lorian, and it's a thrill to say that we've got uh, the head of the project, Jill O'Sullivan, on the pod with us. Jill, hello. Hello. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's really nice to be here. Um, You've been involved in a dizzying number of projects over the years, and uh, this is the latest one. Uh, I was just curious to know how this project came about, and was it always going to be... um, you playing with um, Andy and Pete, or, or did it start as more of a kind of solo thing? Um, a little bit of both, actually. So I always wanted to play with Andy and Pete. Um, and But I also had these ideas for songs swirling around my head. And um, basically, I was out one night. I don't go out very often, but I went out. And uh, Andy was out too, and I hadn't seen him in a while, and we were catching up, and I said, um, oh, you know, I've uh, been working on some songs. You know, we were just asking each other what we were doing, and he said, oh, yeah, I I saw Pete recently, and Pete told me that that you you got some really nice ideas, kind of, and it'd be great to kind of go in and and, um, if you you need a hand just working on them or recording them, making demos, then uh, give me a shout. So it was like a seed was planted in my head and I love Pete's drumming too. So I've always liked Andy's, um, he's such a wonderful person to work with because he's got this lovely manner, very calm. He's very experimental without kind of being, oh, I don't know, without getting too lost in the art, if you will. <laughs> he's, he's sensitive to the needs of a song, I would say. Um, and then Pete as a drummer is really great. I had worked with him on a number of projects and one in particular was this slightly left of center um, modern dance project where they were trying to meld um, modern dancers with musicians. So they were trying to like blend these two musical worlds, which wow. did and didn't work um, mainly because like musicians just are so stiff 
uh, when it comes to actually moving. (laughs) And it turns out dancers, like some of them could play a little bit of music, but it's hard to play an instrument and it does take many years of learning. So there were certain, there were certain like walls, but one of the great things that came out of it was I got to play a lot with Pete and his drumming is phenomenal. He's just so free and loose, but also knows how to just pull it in and um, do these kind of, does these really great kind of fills that are unexpected and exciting. He's emotive as a drummer and I really like that. So I got really lucky. So I got to work with Andy, we pulled in Pete and we decided to try and do it live. It felt like it was music that needed to be live. And yeah, so then um, that's that's kind of how the EP and then the album came about. Great, yeah. I mean, I actually love the record. It has just got such a dynamic feel to it as well as a kind of drama to it, which I love. Thank um, you. And Andy and Pete really, really kind of add to that, I think. Yeah, um, definitely. The, the track Needing, it kind of plays like a folk tale, but it's got this kind of rollicking Velvet Underground still <laughs> yeah. back into it. And all through the album, it's got, you know, it has got that kind of uh, musical drama to it. Is, is that something that you were, that you were looking for uh, with the instrumentals in the, in the record? Definitely. I think so. Yeah. I, I like music that's active. Um, I really, I, I know probably sounds silly because maybe you'd say, well, all music is active, but I think some, some music isn't <laughs> as active as other music. And what I mean by that is um, music that does have like contrasting dynamics and moves around a lot and feels like it's, um, the same way if you were to read a, a short story and it would reach an apex and then there would be maybe a twist. I would mm-hmm. like, I like to hear that in music as well. And um, so that, that I guess in a way, that was our, our attempt to, to make something that, that, that also did that. Um, it's nice to hear you say that's how it sounds because that was the <laughs> intention. So um, yeah. No, it definitely does. Um... As part of this, we'd ask you to to bring in some records um, of things that maybe you've been listening to recently or that inspired you for the record. Uh, the first one that you've chosen is a track by Beak, which again has got that kind of rhythmic quality to it. Is that something that appeals to you about this track and this group? Absolutely. The rhythmic, I think, and one of the things I love the most about Beak is that rhythmic quality. You can really get lost in a trance with them, but they also... Um, Again, I would say pull things in and, and, and things are done very intelligently. Um, the choices that each musician's making, it doesn't sound like they're like overly thinking anything. It sounds really like they're having a lot of fun, actually. Um, and I also, I kind of like um, just the, 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 the energy really about all of it. It kind of gives me a little bit of like a Silver Apples, um, Can, Noi, all those kind of bands and I love I love I love listening to albums by all three of those artists and when I heard Beak I mean obviously they're also doing their own thing but when I heard them I was just like yes this is right up my cup of tea Boom, 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 boom,
such an incredible drummer on that project as well. Oh yeah, his drumming style is so uh, unique and very him. Like when you hear it, you just you can hear, you know, it's him doing it. I don't know. I don't know how to um, articulate that very well, but you know what I mean. <laughs> no, it's so good. Um, I know it's often dangerous and wrong-headed to assume that songs are autobiographical, but mm -hmm. I was thinking about that that girl that's depicted in needing this kind of girl needing bread, playing the accordion, and kind of dreaming of escaping to bigger and better things. And I was wondering mm -hmm. if if there was anything from your kind of personal experience in that character. You know, I I wanted to create a character that was, yeah, something somebody who. I saw a bit of myself in, but also somebody I saw in my friends and my mother and my grandmother. It's actually inspired by my grandmother, who was a, a baker who played the accordion in an all girls traveling band. And they traveled all over, like in the 1940s, I want to say, and 50s, which was not really, I think that was kind of unique back then, you know, all these women together. Um, they went to London, they went to um, all over like parts of England and mostly Ireland, that's where they're from, traveled around Ireland, took the ferry over, went, they had, my, my granny had family in the East End of London, they were quite working class and, um, but you know, she had a hard life and was very, very poor and yeah, so I think that circumstantially there was only so much she could do. And I feel like there's a lot of, um, we often hear about extraordinary women. And often when you start digging, you find that they come from extremely privileged and wealthy backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And I guess I wanted to just sing for women who, who didn't, who didn't and don't and, and are still extraordinary in their own way. No, totally. Um, I, I totally failed in my pub quiz knowledge. I had to look up uh, who Frances Affle. Francis Ethel Gummers. Um, <laughs> that's that's the, the real name of Judy Garland. Yes, um, now you is, know. <laughs> is, is that just for the, the the kind of the historical context? And if you're talking about your grandmother, the kind of around that time period, or is there anything in particular about Judy Garland that you find kind of fascinating? Well, Judy Garland, completely fascinating life. Um, and I mean, I think she came from a theatrical family, but not necessarily not a wealthy family. Um, I think there was somebody who had to hustle a lot in her life, but also somebody who was very exploited and maybe torn, I think, apart by that industry. Um, but also, I just like the idea that her she had this stage name, Judy Garland, that was like so yeah. um, oh, just dazzling. And then juxtaposed with her real name, which was Frances Ethel Gum, which is <laughs> such a kind of like salt of the earth name. Yeah. Um, but also, my grandmother happened to look a lot like her. So she was often people would say, oh, you look just like Judy Garland. Um, and she was a wild woman like Judy Garland. My granny used to carry a flask of whiskey everywhere she went. Um, Pochine, she would make it herself actually down the back of her garden. So <laughs> I'm probably going to get in trouble for telling you this. <laughs> uh, Jill, could I ask you a quick question? So like, um, I really thought the lyrics to Needing were very poetic and very kind of like oh. earthy with this like allusion to Hollywood glamour kind of just mm -hmm. swirled in there as well. And then when I saw the um I saw the uh, the EP cover or the single cover for Needing and then also for this rock, they're very painterly. 
Um, who, who, who did those or where did they come from? They're really interesting. Oh, wow. Thank you. You're the first person to ask me this. Um, I, I'm going to tell you guys, and I'm going to probably regret it because it's just <laughs> going to burst the bubble. They are, I did them. Uh, they're not paintings. Actually, just me smashing plasticine together and letting it just do different things and just throwing bits of plasticine, rolling it and uh, photographing it. And when I'd see something I liked and I thought, oh, well, that moves nicely. And <laughs> that's all it is. That's cool. Yeah. So that's like literally kneading the plasticine then? Well, yeah, I think that's it. I think I like the I like the textural. I think the reason I kind of have always used plasticine on all the Jalorian artwork is because I feel like musically too, it's so it's so organic. We try well, you know, well, yeah, mostly like we use we're using like we're playing live. We're using live instruments. We're trying to rely on our uh, our skills. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh when I say that. Our skills. <laughs> Um, you know, kind of like if you were tilling the earth and using a, um, a tool instead of maybe like, I don't know, some super fancy machinery. So, I mean, there is some fancy machinery being used, obviously, like we were in a studio, um, and all, but, uh, but yeah, to a degree, like I like the earthiness of, and the, and the, the, the um, very natural quality of Play-Doh and how also you cannot predict what's going to happen with it like you can't you cannot control the image that you get and I mm -hmm. felt like that with the the songs we were making I didn't want to be able to control them and I remember saying that to Andy and Pete like I want this to feel slightly out of control like that we might be surprised by the song when we finish it when we finish our last chord go oh okay that went okay that went in a slightly different direction but exciting hopefully yeah. no absolutely I think the visuals match up with that. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, amazing. That's good to hear. I was wondering if there was a, a kind of double meaning with that idea of needing as well. So that like, needing to escape, um, kind of need, the idea of needs, desires, expectations that may be placed upon, especially women. I was yes. wondering if that was maybe something that was in that track and in the album as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, I I I think I was intentionally playing on words. Um, yeah. So in fact, when I first when I first wrote it, I kind of wrote it while I was playing the chords because the chords are just really simple. It's just like C B, oh no, B A C sharp. I think they're so simple power chords. And I was just playing around and I was like, she had sugar on her shoes and flour on her cheeks and she began to knead. I actually wasn't thinking of kneading. I was thinking of, and she began to knead and knead. Like she's like a young woman who's got these like hungry, she's hungry for yeah. something. And then I realized, yes, of course she's kneading. And, you know, um, maybe, maybe it was one of those, what do you call that when you think of a word? Well, the word, um, Word association oh. type thing? Yeah, it was sort of word association where I, I didn't, it just, I didn't even realize I was doing it until I'd said it. And then I really liked it. And I said, okay, I'm writing that down. That's staying because that was meant to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's also the recurring motif of a bird as well. So you've got the robin, uh, there's a bird in the artwork. Uh, one of your first tracks that you did as a project was called Eyes on the Bird as well. Mm -hmm. I was wondering, is, is, it, is it always the same? idea with that what, what what is it what is it about that symbol that that kind of inspires you 
Mm. Well, I tend to sing about birds that I think have a certain fragility to them, but are actually like beneath the surface quite strong and sturdy. So I'm quite inspired by like sparrows because I think they're like the underdogs of the bird world. Like people are just always overlooking sparrows, but they're pretty cool little dudes. And I like robins because I think I find them fascinating that they stay so close to the ground. They don't really travel very far. And I, I always wonder, shit, man, if I had wings, do you know where I would go? Oh, my God. I get mm -hmm. the hell off of this, this island. But actually, they keep coming back and it, it forces you to sort of reflect and think about, well, what, what, what's your deal? Why are you doing this? Why are you coming back? <laughs> and they're resilient, you know. And, um, but also then there's also the idea of like, of a of a dove a peace dove a dove spreading its wings and flying and representing something bigger than merely living and i think that in terms of like making and creating stuff for me a bird is like it's like my muse it's the thing that it's so beautiful it's not merely practical because needing making bread it's we need that we need to eat but we need art too don't we we need to be moved by things and to feel in order I, I don't know for me I feel that in order to feel like a connection to other people and like where's your place in the world and, and like to have a sense of culture whatever that culture is it for me it's through and I see birds for me are really symbolic they represent that they represent something more than simply just like living they can fly too but they can come back and they can build nests and do all kinds of cool things <laughs> I love that. Um, going from birds then to hares. So your second choice is uh, a Shirley Collins track, "Hares on the Mountain." Yes. Um, and I know she, she's. I think she recorded this a few times uh, over her career. I've gone for the one that she did with David Graham. Yes, I love that one. Folk Roots, New Roots record, which is just yes. absolutely classic. Record. Yes. Wonderful record. Sally, my dear, it's you I'd be kissing. Oh, Sally, my dear, it's you I'd be kissing. She smiled and replied, You don't know what you're missing. Oh, Sally, my dear, I wish I could wed you. Sally, my dear, I wish I could bed you. She smiled and replied, then you'd say I'd misled you. If all you young men were 
Uh, I mean, simply, I I love her voice. I, I feel like she has the way of singing that um, you feel like you're in a room with her, even though you're not. And I feel like I can almost smell the room that I that you're in with her. And I think that's like an incredible quality to have that you want to keep listening to her tell a story. And also, like you know, I, I mean, I've always loved folk music. Well, I know it's quite a big, it's a big pond but, uh, or ocean maybe, but like, I think I like the way Shirley Collins told stories. And I, I, I'm not certain, but I think it was a, um, it was Cecil Sharp maybe who like found that song um, originally because he was, I guess, a um, folk song minor. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and, uh, and I think he presented it to her. I could be completely wrong about this because I know folk aesthetics are probably just going to skin me alive for saying this, but I think I thought that was what had happened. So obviously there's something about that song that it felt like Shirley Collins could really bring that to life very well. So simple, quite simply that really. Oh, that's brilliant. That's so good. I, I, I love her more recent records as well that she's been doing since she came back. Have you have you heard? Oh any of them? yes, yeah, I have. Yeah. They're beautiful. Oh yeah. man, they're just so stunning. Yeah, brilliant. And uh, I was going to ask you about her her now label mate, uh, Bonnie Prince Billy, as well. Yeah. Um, absolutely loved the record that you did. Um, as the Free Queens in Morning, um, the, <laughs> the album you. of uh, Bonnie Prince Billy covers. How did how did the, that project come about? Had you had you been working with him? Is that right? And, no, I hadn't no. actually. Um, Basically, Alex Nielsen, who uh, um, had drummed for him for a while, mm -hmm. and also um, Ali Roberts is on his label as well. Um, so they knew him. But Alex knew that I liked his music, or he guessed I did, and he sent me a message. I'd been working with him on some Alex Rex stuff. He heard, he'd heard like my violin playing, and he, he knew of my voice from um, Sparrow, this old band I was in in the workshop and so he called me and he says I feel like you might be into this do you do you want to just come and like go um he's got this book and he's called us and said he can't come to the UK um to promote it to to sort of he just can't come right now so he thought maybe he could get his Scottish posse to <laughs> uh to to go to go down and do this show in London so I was like okay, uh, you, you know, those guys are insanely good players, uh, Alex and Ali, like insane. And I knew that we would come together and learn about seven or eight of Bonnie Prince Billy's songs very quickly. And so we each picked three of our favorites. And then we went into Kenning Park Complex in Glasgow. And we just, we just did like one rehearsal. And, that, and it went really, really well. And then Alex was like, well, if we're going to London, maybe we should stop in some other places along the way. So we ended up making it like a seven day, ended up becoming like a, a small tour. And um, um, Will Oldham gave us like a stack of books. He sent us over a stack of books and said, Ray, okay, here you go. You can kind of sell these along the way. He, he was a really lovely, he was a total gentleman actually. Um, and so we went and we did the tour and then we just thought we would like document the the process because we had all the songs in our head. We had them all in our head. And every night we would sing one song of mine, one of Alex's and one of Ali's. So we also, we had this idea or Alex had this idea of asking Will if he would maybe sing 
three of ours and we would add that to the album yeah. and he was up for it and then he threw in another one of his own uh, i can't remember what it was called like what kentucky rose or something I can't, it was quite a dirty song i remember that <laughs> but like nsfw um and we did we went back to kenning park and recorded it like very quickly and then i kind of um we had a few little overdubs like bass because we didn't have a bass player i was like playing i was the, i had to juggle the most no offense to ali and alex but honestly like they were like the divas on the tour because i had violin guitar and bass and vocals to deal with and they could just swan on with their one their one instrument well their two <laughs> i guess they were singing as well um so yeah we had to do some overdubs but it was very 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 minimal when we were in with luigi pasquini and uh mixed it and um then yeah and it sounded really good i think oh, I mean, a great yeah, really thank you i mean absolutely terrifying front cover but, but a great mix. oh yeah yeah <laughs> it's a it's a um painting by um oh man do you know what i i'm really gonna kick myself because i can't i can't think of her name suddenly um it'll come to me but um yes yes very terrifying <laughs> but yeah and your version of the new partner it's just probably the standout for me. I love, I love that. Oh, thank you. Yes, I got a new partner now. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> thank you. I really appreciate it. I mean, we didn't know what we were doing, but we were just like, let's just put this out as an album. And Will was up, um, Bonnie Prince Billy was up for it, so we were like, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was curious about um, how you embedded yourself in the Glasgow scene when you, when you moved up here, and what is it about Glasgow that that appeals to you and that, that, that the music scene that you're part of? Mm -hmm. um, I think I kind of embedded myself accidentally. Uh, I, we, we moved up knowing that I moved up with my partner, Nick, and we moved up knowing that we, we didn't want to live in London anymore. This was like a long time ago now. Um, and everybody, it didn't seem like people were moving to Glasgow. It was not the thing then. It seems to be the thing now in the last few years. But certainly then people were leaving Glasgow. And so we came up and people were just like, what are you doing? Why do you want to be here? And I found that hilarious. I thought Glaswegians are so, like, so down on themselves. <laughs> mm. um, I mean, obviously I can't speak for you guys, but like I just thought that was really funny. I was like, but then people were kind of, it was kind of a, you know, that wonderfully amazing, well, as I see it as a, sort of American um, Scottish humor, like this self-deprecating yeah. kind of humor. And I loved it immediately because like the Midwest can be a bit like that, Midwest of America. Um, and so I, you know, and we liked it. We stayed, but accidentally got ourselves sort of wrapped into the music scene because we, we moved into a, um, a flat share with a guy called Gregor who ended up being the drummer. And um, we, started playing with him and very, very like too quickly if i'm being honest sort of found ourselves in a band uh then a and r head hunted and then on a label and then suddenly touring around a lot um and had some great experiences but also like some really depressing ones so which is i think the general band story for like 99 percent of bands um so it's great. But anyway, this ended up being our home. So we just talk about, and you know, how it is. You start making friends and you don't want to leave a place because you start to love it. Yeah. You've, pl you've played with we're, we're stuck here now. Yeah. There's nothing <laughs> we can do. <laughs> are you guys from, are you guys from Glasgow? 
Yeah. Yes. Right. Right. Representing. Okay. Absolutely. We, we love it. Oh, good. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've, you've played uh, shows all around the world and you've played with an incredible uh, selection of artists as well, like over the years. Um, some, of the, some of my favorites that kind of jumped out to me, uh, the OCs, Sea uh, Power, Lemonheads, and the Pogues was, yeah. was quite an intriguing one. Um, do any of those particularly stand out? Have you got any stories that you could maybe tell us? I would particularly maybe interested in the Pogues. I was reading an uh, interview with Shane McGowan the other day. Oh, was it the um, one in the, the Guardian? The one in the Guardian. It's I... fascinating, quite, yes. quite tragic story in a lot of ways, but really, really interesting as well. Yeah. What, what, was, he, what was he like to work with? Okay, so I'm going to tell you guys something about that tour. It was wonderful. It was a brilliant tour. Um, do you know how they say you don't meet your heroes? Mm-hmm. So Shane McGowan, as a writer, is one of my, like as a prose writer for a songwriter or whatever you want to call it. One, I, lo- I, love, I love his writing. Um, like, uh, but I didn't want to meet him. So I hid from him every night. <laughs> I met all of the rest of the Pogues. I'm, I ended up, I'm still friends with Spider and, and his partner, Louise. I met Jem Finer. Um, I, met, I met all of them. I got on really well with Terry, who I found out later. Um, and I'm glad I did because I disgraced myself in front of him. He was like the original, one of the original members of Steel Ice Band, a favorite, oh. one of my favorite bands. So, but I, <laughs> I introduced myself to... To, to Terry, he came up to me and he was a lovely guy from the north side of Dublin and he sounded just like my dad. And I thought, oh my God, it just, it was like, you know, that way when you're, in, I don't get homesick that much, but just suddenly a pang. Oh, how's it going? You know, he says, and I was like, oh, right. And I just assumed he was like a, a roadie for the Pogues because he was just sort of hanging around on the stage. So I was like, oh, cool. And so how long have you been touring with the Pogues? And he laughed. He went, <laughs> oh, that's funny. And I went, um, oh, so like not long then. And he was just like, Jill, I am a pogue. And I was like, Jesus. <laughs> oh, I'm going to get kicked off this, this, this tour now. But he thought it was brilliant. He just loved that I didn't know. And he says, you know, I'm a bit older. So fair enough. So I was like, cool. Um, but they were all really good. And Spider would always say to me, just go down and say hi to Shane. Please just go and say hi to him. And I'd say, oh, okay, I will. And then he'd leave and I'd be like, I'm not going down. <laughs> but I mean, to be fair, I, I just, I didn't know what I would, what to say to him. You know, I was like, I'd, I'd met Evan Dando when we did the gig, the Lemonheads. I'd met all the British Sea Power guys and all the rest of the Pogues, um, all of Brian Johnstone Massacre. We hung out a lot on tour, but I could not bring myself to meet Shane McGowan I just I've never been starstruck it's not my way I just because I'm just like people are just people but it was more it was more than that it was like he was he was also drunk all the time so it just was like I can't I don't think I can do this um so yeah unfortunately like I I couldn't bring myself to to uh introducing myself to him um he also kind of like he would come in right because I think he does struggle with the drink, you know, um, and he, he was trying not to drink, but I get, I got the distinct impression that in order for that tour to work and he wanted to do it from what I was, the impression I got, he's, he wanted to do it, but in order for it to work, he sort of had to just, he couldn't really stick around 
you know, and get into any kind of trouble. He had to just kind of come in the back door, he got put into this tent at the side of the stage, and there'd be like a bottle of gin and a glass, I think it was like a bottle of gin, a bottle of white wine, and a pack of cigarettes. Because if you put a tent around, if you put a tent on a stage, it becomes like a theater set. And so you can have a smoke. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, I, I just, I think it was like, I could never find the right time because the other guys would all be backstage, you know, so you, and they'd come in and they, they'd also be at our sound checks. And sometimes they would just come and hang out with us. They would sit on the stage and chat while we were sound checking, um, which I thought that was so cool. But Shane would just kind of come in, play, and then go. Um, and I think that was really like a kind of self-preservation thing. He had a, a friend with him who was like helping make sure that all worked really well. Mm -hmm. what, what were his actual performances like on that tour when he was uh, on stage? Amazing. I mean, m most nights he was he was perfect. Perfect. You know, like he did he did what he needed to to do, and he did it well, and he did it with a good intention. There was one night that was a bit of a shambles and it was the night my entire Dublin family, my aunties, my uncles, my cousins all came to this gig at um, oh, the Olympia in Dublin, a really beautiful venue. And I was so excited. He, he was nowhere to be found. He was like MIA. And you could tell something was up because backstage there was just a lot of like people going this way and that way and fracas. <laughs> and we were just like, you know, like stick, we'd stick our heads out of our little dressing room every so often and be like, I don't know what's going on out there. Um, it turned out he just disappeared. And um, I think in Dublin, he's kind of, he was greeted like, he's given a king's welcome. But mm. people want, I, I think there's something about someone of his stature, and celeb celebrity, I guess, that there's there's something in humans in us that, Maybe we see a bit of ourselves in celebrities, but also we we feel as though they the tragic side to them they're 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 like our our heroes for living out the tragedy that mm -hmm. we dream of, but that maybe we still go to bed at a decent hour and we can stop at three pints or you know you know like maybe we live well like people live a more like moderate life, like a more moderate life and so we look up totally we look up to these kind of these characters these sort of anti-heroes and i think there was a bit of that going there so people were like playing him i think he just went to like his hotel and you know all these people are like shane shane will buy you a drink and i think that's what happened and he just mm. came he finally showed up and he was like not sober and I just remember the guitar tech having to sit on a box behind him and hold him up straight. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> but that was the only time, like, and that was the only gig that was a bit, and the whole audience knew. Everyone was like, he's like not compos mentis right now, but he was just drunk. And I think that was it. And then he, I think he basically sobered up again and the rest of the tour was like a dream. He just did, you know, it was grand. It was just that one, <laughs> one night in Glasgow or in Dublin. So... Thanks very much for sharing that. Um, your last selection that you've chosen is a group called Posy and the track called Engaged. Oh, yeah. Why did you choose this one? Okay, so um, I don't even remember how I came across them, but I think it was just like doing that thing of like clicking on stuff on YouTube or something. And um, I like 
just immediately was arrested by their sound and it's I guess in some ways it's like post-punk but also um there's something else going on there I think there's a nice element I think the fact that they play as a three-piece without a guitarist yeah and... I thought it was really interesting yes yeah, so mm. like the, the violin does a lot of the work she is doing some heavy lifting yeah. the violinist um and i i just and i love what she's doing with the violin and i love that it's a singing drummer that's always a really unique thing too um
just like kind of magical trio. And um, I just kind of can't st- can't stop listening to them. And that song in particular is like on repeat sometimes. So it's like my new band crush. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. And we're gonna play out with uh, Black Dog, uh, which has got it's got a lot of violin on it as well. Um, is is that something that appeals to you as well? The fact that it's it's a violin player. Um, and what what can you tell us about Black Dog as a track? Where did the inspiration for that? To, to me, this one's maybe the most kind of post-punk on the record. That kind of it's very yeah. ex, very expansive. Yeah. And it's got a kind of artful, experimental side to it. It's got this kind of sinister vibe to it as well. I think. Nice. Oh, Thank definitely. You. definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Where did that where, where did that track come from? I'm glad you reacted um, well to the comment sinister. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Always, always. So, um, can I just say really quick? I I have to thank you guys. You're you've obviously really listened to not only like the the recommendations, um, you know, like uh, Shirley Collins, Posse, Beak, but also really listened to the Jalorian album. It sounds like, and I I'm feeling very like emotional right now and thank you for that we are the best jill it's been said before you guys are you're absolutely the best (laughs) i'm gonna tell everybody that now so um but yeah so black dog basically okay like i'm just gonna just be a total dorky geek right now i was reading a lot of sandman comics do you know uh, neil gaiman yeah neil gaiman yeah yeah so i had been like my friend pamela had given me a stack of them and she like I had been asking her, do you, do you, have you read the Sandman? She's like, have I read them here? I've got a bunch you can read. So I just like, I couldn't put them down. And I, I got like all swept up and I love how Neil Gaiman, like sort of blends like kind of mythology and also like Shakespearean kind of, uh, um, prose and stuff. And he blends it and, and he makes it all kind of like post-punk and, and, yeah. and super like, um what's the what's that word uh can't think of the word right now but um it'll come to me uh but but so I was listening I was reading a lot of that and then I had my violin out one night and I was just just kept doing that loop and it just kind of came out I was thinking about a story about like having so much power and just assuming that somebody wants something that you can give them but actually really that um maybe you don't really maybe you don't want to have immortality or that kind of power maybe you actually want to experience emotions and like live maybe also that faustian thing of like you know you get to the crossroads and you're just like well what do i do a dance with the devil or do i live a more honest life and experience the pain that comes along with that and i think that's what that song is kind of about in a sort of way told through a story of like kind of a childish story of like creating all these like things in the clouds and stuff yeah when i was looking at the lyrics to needing i thought there was like a sort of real realist bent to it with the the flower and the sugar and all those details but then there was like this like i said earlier the hollywood twist with the the little mention of um of hollywood glamour this is more like magical realism, the lyrics to Black Dog. So the Neil Gaiman link is is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, actually that's it, magical realism. I think I think that I felt like the loop felt surreal, that kind of violin loop. There's something about it that felt surreal. And even when I was making it, I could almost hear 
peak doing so I did I didn't know what he was doing I never know what he's going to do and that's what I love about him like he'll just do totally what you don't think but I just I had a feeling it could get kind of trancy and maybe the magical realism sort of naturally came out of that because you know it just I felt a little bit like well this isn't quite real like whereas whereas needing to some degree feels grounded and earthy I think that one felt a little bit like I just felt like I was floating in the clouds and I was like okay I'm floating but it's still kind of dark so what where's the you know I'm trying to channel the darkness I kind of went to a meditative state I guess so I don't actually I don't even know what meditating is I'm gonna be honest (laughs) Andy's guitar playing there's a lot of that cloudy you know darkness thing but then there are moments in the track as well where it becomes much more straightforward and simple and it it really undulates Mm -hmm. and comes in and out of various moods and stuff it's a it's a really cool song Actually, that's a point I have to say. Andy, Andy did a lot of heavy lifting on that song in terms of his mm. his guitar is definitely like driving the mood, and like he we called his he was kept doing this effect boom 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 boom, and we were calling it the hand of God. We were like, oh look, there's Andy's hand of God because you'd be like boom boom boom, <laughs> and then he'd pull it. He finally came out of it, and it was just it all opened up, and it became that kind of like more, uh, I don't know, like. Um, Alice in Wonderlandy, magical, woo! <laughs> kind of like taking the darkness, we're just taking the darkness down a touch. But then a minute you would start getting that and going, oh, okay, now we're like, do, 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 do. And then the hand of God came back in. And I just felt like he was just like, he was like a puppet master on that tune with his guitar. So it was pretty cool watching him, or his bass, I should say. It was pretty cool watching him, watching him kind of work. Yeah, so. totally. All works very well, I would say. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so we're going to play it with Black. Uh, black dog uh before we do that just um have you got any live dates coming up for for the for the in support of the record yeah so um we're gonna do like a full band gig which is like rarer than i don't know like a snowstorm in texas or something but uh we're gonna do that on may 28th and we'll have like ravelo and ali shasha supporting so it should be a really fun night and um there will be more dates. There will be more. I just need to kind of get organized and then there will be more. Have you got a venue for that? Where oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's your imagination, man. Just like close your eyes and we'll be playing. No, uh, we're, we're going to play it at an actual place, the Hug and Pint in, in Glasgow, in the West End of Glasgow. Yeah, I love the Hug and Pint. Yeah, well, please do come out. It would be really nice to see and to meet you guys. Cool. Sounds nice. magic. It does. Uh, and thanks so much for coming on the show. We can't recommend the album enough. Oh, and, thank you. Uh, yeah, we'll hopefully see you next month. That'd be good. Thank you thank so you, much. Jill. Okay, thank you very much for that.
So that was Black Dog by Jalorian. And yeah, thanks again to Joe for coming on the show. Can't recommend the record enough. Uh, and again, the album is called This Rock and it's out on Mono Hands Records. I think um, we'll do our best to go and see that show at Hug and Paint. What do you think, Andrew? I would really like to go, yeah, absolutely. I think I think it would be really quite exciting live, actually. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just something about her vocals that are kind of in the folk idiom, mm-hmm. but, but put to this uh, really quite exciting uh, rock backing. I think it's it really works well. Yeah, I think so too. Probably this track that we just listened to there, Black Dog as well, is probably in my top five tracks called Black Dog. What about you? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah right, in, right in there at like number four, but with potential to rise even higher. Do you know when, when, before, when you sent me the, the playlist and um, I saw we were going to be uh, listening to Black Dog, I wondered if it was going to be a Led Zeppelin cover <laughs> and it, it wasn't, it wasn't. But That's it's a super, a super cool song and uh, as I said on the interview with Jill, it's got a kind of like sinister vibe and an undulating emotional core that's just wiggling around the whole time. It's, it's a really cool song. Yeah, very cool. Uh, anyway, let's move ourselves on to some new some new music this week. Um, as we often do these days, we've got a pretty eclectic uh, bunch of things to chat about here. Just the three new tracks this week. We do. Um, the first one was actually one that you wanted to talk about. I did indeed, uh, yep. Pusher T, it's a new track. Uh, Pusher T so, featuring Pharrell and Jay-Z. Absolutely, yeah. So, so what was it that that kind of drew you towards this one this week? Well, it's a long story, to be honest. I think probably we should probably just listen to the track and then I'll I'll tell you all about it, if that's all right. You tease. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. So this is Neck and Wrist by Pusha T featuring Pharrell and Jay-Z. First 500 in the safe and lose the combination. I promise you the floor plans, nothing like the model. Cartier bust downs, just not my thing to be in the center of that left and right wing. The only time you'll ever see me next to Brightling. Wonder where they started from. The facts are frightening. Richard Prize Flame gave birth to pipe dreams. Now we First here. In the beach with a million dollar auto. Bring the cameraman, we can shoot our own knuckle. A12 map black looking like chuckle. I promise you the floor plans, nothing like the model.
I'll be like Jay-Z's a cheater. I wouldn't listen to reason either. All I know is he's a felon. How is he selling? We the Khalifa brothers. Deep down, I believe you love us. Huh. Feast your eyes. The peace unique is sapphire. Rappers, liars, I don't do satire. Neither I nor my wrist move mockingly. Y'all spend real money on fake watches, shockingly. They put me on list with these niggas inexplicably. I put your mansion on my wall. Are you shitting me? I blew bird money. Y'all talking Twitter feed. We got different sob stories. Save your soliloquies. They like if Big was alive. Ho wouldn't be in this position. If Big had survived, y'all would have got the commission. <laughs> Ho was gonna always be Ho. But twas the universe will. Cause the law says so. And now I'm here. Neck and Wrist by Pusha T, um, featuring Pharrell and Jay-Z. And I'm going to pop you in a time machine, Andrew. How's this sound? Here we go. So I'll take you back to May the 13th, 2002, right? Okay. Uh, I've passed That's my driving. Very specific. I've passed my driving test. That's okay. what's happened in May 13th, 2002. May 14th of 2002, there is the release of a single by a rap group called Clips. Um, and the oh. single is Grinding. Um, mm -hmm. And it was my first, uh, you know, encounter with um, Pharrell and with, you know, with, with Pusha T, mm -hmm. um, who were all part of the Clips project. And it was actually my friend, Murray, um, who got in my car like two or three days after I passed my test and had had the single on CD. And we were sort of doing that thing you do when you've just passed your driving test. We we're driving about and we were listening to Grinding on repeat. Mm -hmm. And so when I, I've always kind of had half an eye on Pusha T's career ever since then, really. Um, and he's done some some really interesting stuff. That His album from a few years ago, Daytona, is a, is a fantastic rap record. Um, I know we, we don't often talk about rap music all that much on, on the podcast, mm -hmm. but, um, uh, but Daytona is something that, you know, if our listeners do enjoy a bit of rap and they've not heard it, they should definitely go back to. So I've, I've been looking forward to... Um, his new record and when i heard this because of the the pharrell input on it as well it immediately just made me swim back like 20 years and and think about grinding which is an epic uh cocaine rap song yeah um as lots of push of tea music is what do you think of it for a for a review it um yeah i mean I, i've i've got a kind of similar history with uh push of tea i really enjoyed those two clips albums that that they did with the Neptunes as well and also enjoyed Daytona. I, I think he kind of works best for me in uh, kind of smaller doses. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't want to overdose on this stuff. But yeah, something like, Day <laughs> something like, like Daytona, you know, seven tracks, 21 minutes. I think yep. that's that's your kind of perfect um, kind of length for me. Um, and this track, yeah, I think it's it's pretty cool. Um, it's quite different in terms of in terms of the, the backing i think to a lot of the stuff that he's been doing recently mm -hmm. very kind of disorientating quite kind of queasy and yeah quite quite, quite an interesting uh backing i would say almost like a kind of bad trip vibe going on even though yeah, they're definitely. boasting about the amount of money that they're making the amount of coke that they're, they're selling it's, it's a bit of a kind of bad trip musically 
I think to Which me, quite interesting. the the whole record from the production, even to the 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 sort of um, the the cover art for the album, which is a picture of um, Lana Del Rey, but her face is obscured by a giant pile of cocaine. The whole thing has this like expensive feel to it. Mm-hmm. Just has the like this money um, feel to it, and um, it reminds me a little bit of the the Kanye West and Jay Z collaboration, Watch the Throne. With the idea that it was that we're going to spend however much money on samples, whatever you know, it just didn't matter. Money, no object. Let's just yeah. do the best, best, best thing. It's really um, opulent. Opulent, and it, there's something opulent about this as well. And mm-hmm. some of the um, and, and Pusha T, I was watching an interview with him the other day, was saying that he doesn't plan. You know, other rappers do two records a year or, or even more sometimes, and freestyles and so on. But he basically says, when I release a record, I want it to be the you know genius level stuff and nothing mm. else in his in his opinion um so i think that's what he's reaching for so he's a bit different from from other rappers and that you know as you say small doses but you don't actually get a lot of his music no, to that's be honest. true that's true um I mean, it's four years since since daytona um and he surrounds so, himself with fantastic producers all the time yeah. so it is pharrell it's it's kanye on on daytona yeah um, and the, doing the some rap- of his best stuff the rapping on here is, as you say, it's quite laconic, quite laid back. Um, it's not sort of going hard for it. Um, even the, the title of the track as well, Neck and Wrist, immediately just sounds like we're going to be talking about jewellery, wealth, etc. Mm. Um, there's a line in here about um, that Pusha T says about um, you wouldn't catch me need a Breitling. Uh, you know, talking about Breitling watches, which cost like, you know, but, you know, I think the cheapest one's about two grand or something like that. And he's like, I wouldn't, right. catch, wouldn't catch me near one of those. <laughs> Jay-Z's lyrics uh, on, on his uh, verse as well, um, there's a huge amount of like, uh, a huge number of YouTube videos, people deciphering the lyrics and, and, and all sorts of stuff. There's really like, there's some really clever stuff going on in here mm-hmm. if you spend the time kind of unpicking it all. And Jay-Z's just kind of reminding us every now and again, here, I'm, I'm really good at this. Like, I'm <laughs> very, very good at this rap yes. stuff. Um, every now and again. It doesn't seem to be trying at all, but yeah, it's it, it just, it's very effortless for him yeah uh, but, it, but it's great as well yeah no he, there's a line from jay-z in here it says i'll put i'll put your mansion on my wall yeah. referring, referring to the fact that he's got paintings that are more expen- expensive than people's houses um <laughs> he's talking he owns a there's a, a line in here in boston about having a one of one watch produced that was made with like is it sapphires or something i think it is um again so it's it's really opulent and over the top and but it never really verges into silliness um, and as you say, it's got a kind of queasy, unusual vibe. Certainly, as single material, it's maybe an odd choice. Um, you know, it doesn't feel like it's going to be a, a chart top around the world. It doesn't feel, feel like that kind of thing, but it's it's certainly rap caviar, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I think so, absolutely. And as soon as it stops, you kind of want to play it again. There's something quite addictive about mm. that disorientating groove. Cool, yeah. So, uh, Push T... Uh, featuring Pharrell and Jay Z um, talking about drugs, basically. That's what that's. <laughs> that's what that is. Don't do them, kids. Drugs are bad. Okay. It's a it's a whole new direction for them. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's almost like a subgenre of rap, actually. Um, that they've really kind of drawn themselves into. Um, so yeah, there we go. Um, cool. So that leads us on to our second new track of the day. Um. Someone I've been a big fan of for a really long time. Um, kind of like Pusha T, I guess, actually. Um, but it's uh, Jack White. 
and uh, his new track from a new record called Fear of the Dawn. And here it is. So that was Jack White and the title track from his record that came out on Friday there, uh, Fear of the Dawn. Uh, so Ian, you, you've been teasing me uh, before the pod saying that you've got a wee anecdote about about this track in particular. Yeah, I do. Very intrigued to hear it. It's um, it's quite specific, this anecdote. So um, some of the uh, some of the listeners to the podcast will, have, will, will know this, well, one or two will know this already, but... Um, Again, about twenty years ago, well, maybe maybe more like fifteen years ago, um, I was just starting out making music, um, and there was a, a band which I was kind of like leading at the time. Um, we played lots of shows in Glasgow and stuff, so maybe some folk will have seen us at some point. And it was quite a hard rock type of thing we were doing, and I was playing guitar and, and singing in it. Um, and I wrote this uh, song called "Red Sun," which literally I took the name from a Batman comic, uh, sorry, Superman comic uh, called "Red Sun." Um, and as soon as I heard the start of uh, Fear of the Dawn by Jack White, I thought, Jack White has covered my song. <laughs> it is identical. It's unbelievably... Um, really? Yeah, it's unbelievably similar. Now, I haven't let you hear it yet, Andrew. I'll do that after the podcast. I'll send you over a wee copy of it. I would play it on the podcast to prove what I mean, but... I mean, I recorded it in two thousand and five, uh, and it just does, and it was just the production is awful, so it would be not very pleasant to listen to. <laughs> if there's a stampede of folk wanting to listen to it, I'll play it next week. But um, it's uh, yeah, it's really, really oddly similar, um, it, even down to the guitar solo. Uh, and I text uh, one of the one of the podcast listeners earlier on, and said, "Have you heard this Jack White song? It's just like that song Red Sun' that we wrote years ago." 
um, and they, they agreed. It's identical. So um, I'm thinking of like an Ed Sheeran style lawsuit against. I was going to say, have you got your got in touch with your lawyer already? I trust. Yes. Yeah. My team of legal eagles are, are all over it already. <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's just always so weird. So that's going to make the upcoming very negative review I'm about to give kind of extremely weird since uh, since I've said it sounds like music I've made in the past, but. <laughs> But yeah, I can't get on board with this, Andrew. I don't know about you, but I just can't. Right, okay. I'm I'm we're gonna disagree with this then because I quite quite I've quite uh for this track actually. Okay. This is quite a kind of exhilarating track. I think coming out I mean I I'm somebody who was a big White Stripes fan back in the day. Of, Me too. You know, went, went to see them four or five times and they just always were the most explosive uh live spectacle. It was just absolutely fantastic and i enjoyed a lot of the albums as well yeah um and then the stuff that he's been doing more recently the solo albums his first solo album blunderbuss was okay i thought but then since then it's been kind of a wee bit downhill let's say they had lazaretto that was the the record that that came with every single um vinyl gimmick under the sun i don't know if you remember that when it mm-hmm. came out they had like a, a track uh, you, you had you put the vinyl on from the inside and it started spinning uh, outwards that kind of thing there was mm-hmm. a track that had two different intros depending on where you put the needle where you sh- shone the light vi- shone light on the vinyl it had like a like a little fairy spinning yeah and all that kind of stuff and i think that was all just kept to disguise the fact that the music was a little bit kind of mediocre um and then he had this record a few years ago his last solo record that was just an absolute car crash as far as i could tell it was kind of admirably unconcerned with they kind of chat along choruses of things like Seven Nation Army, but it just sounded so unfinished and unfocused. I just didn't get on with it at all. Um, so after all that, I feel like this is a return to at least having a bit of that that dynamism that we kind of want from Jack White. And I think in, ter- I mean, in terms of the actual songwriting here, the, the lyrics, it's very kind of slight, but I think as a kind of ball of kind of mad quite absurdist energy, I think it kind of works. And I've actually kind of surprised myself over the last couple of days how much I've enjoyed this new record as well, mm. I must say. I think it is quite a, it's a total curio, but it's kind of mad in an authentic way, which which I quite like. Yeah, it's got it's got a touch of glam rock about it, I would say, with a big stomping riff. Um, and, but I, I don't know. You said the word dynamism there, and I just find no... One of the problems I have with this track is there are no dynamics. It's practically like a flat listening experience all the way through. It's like one level of volume the entire time. Hmm. There's very, very splashy symbols, like constantly all the way through, which to me is a kind of like a, a really... I mean, I'm sure whoever the drummer is on this... Well, maybe it was Jack White himself, I don't know. It's a kind of a lazy way of playing the drums having lots of splashy symbols um, because you, you're covering up a lot of like joins and, and stuff with, with all that splashing. And I suppose it's supposed to sound like energetic, but I, I don't know. It just seemed a bit kind of unnecessary. So it is a bit of mm. like a, um, you know, a sort of, the point of it is that it's supposed to be a sh- really short, I mean, it's only two minutes long, you know, headlong rush through a yeah. very, very, you know, I, I get that, of course, but it's just so excessive it just, it, I'm kind of just numbed to it. I just don't kind of, 
Okay. It doesn't 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 make me feel anything. And, do you know, and, do you know how the kind of the, the different guitar tones and textures and things that he's doing for the different solos? Do you know like, that kind of adds a little bit of kind of movement in the track? I mean, I liked it when he did it in the White Stripes, but I mean, that's a long time ago now. And mm-hmm. uh, I think so. He, from the White Stripes, when he, when he was in the White Stripes, and what was the other band he was in with them? What do you call them? Oh. He was, in the, he was in the Raconteurs. The Raconteurs, yeah. Dead so Weather the, as well. Yeah, the, the, yeah, Dead Weather as well. The first Raconteurs record, the first Dead Weather album, if there was more than one, whichever one I listened to, and quite a lot of White Stripe stuff sounded very vital and fresh and original thinking. But um, I think the problem with, with that is he's got such a unique set of talents um, and such a unique voice um, and such a unique way of playing the guitar is it, he's kind of... A, played a lot of this stuff out um mm. and I, I sort of felt like with that last record you were talking about um uh, i've forgotten the name of the last album the one before this um I, I, it was like a, it was like a set of songs desperately in search of like a tune yeah. you know what i mean like something to, to to play around with and it just feels like he's trying so hard like it just even the even the cover art with like the blue white and black it is like a sort of contrast to the classic white stripes red and white um i don't know i i i just mm. some he has i thought at one point i said to i said to a friend a long time ago i'd read somewhere this quote and someone had said jack white is this generation's kurt cobain and at the height of the white stripes i really thought that was true like someone who was able to take like um Desperate musical styles and and kind of like produce something new, but at the same time old with a kind of unusual way of looking at things and a kind of a pretty unique voice and you know all that sort of stuff. I really I really thought that was true, but you know as his career's gone on and on and on, I mean I, I can't think of the last time I enjoyed anything Jack White did. Really, must be about ten years. Um, I don't know if I'm being a bit harsh there, but that's just that's just what I think. No, that's fair enough. Fair enough. I, I mean, I would, I would have been inclined to say the same, as I say, like with his more recent stuff. But I think with this one, he is, he's at least trying to do something different, and the ideas feel a little bit more developed than mm. they did on that last record. Um, there's, there's a few experiments on it. I mean, there's that that, that track with Q-Tip. Don't know if you've heard it. No. The Heidi Ho track, and it, it just doesn't work at all. It's just kind of snippets of ideas all kind of strung together that don't really have any. Uh, link or correlation with each other, mm-hmm. um, but no, I, I think there's there's definitely some interesting experiments with this record, and he's actually got another one coming out in a couple of months as well, that's going to act as a kind of companion piece to it. So I don't know. At least I, I feel like he is trying to push himself in different ways. I think with this record, you can tell that he is a Captain B fart fan. I think he is trying to do some kind of quite strange offbeat things uh, and yeah some of them work for me some of them don't but I think at least he's trying I, w- I was watching an interview with him and Zane Lowe and Zane Lowe was trying to push this idea that Jack White's one of the great futurists of our time and <laughs> I-, I wasn't buying that at all oh, like God. he was like like yeah just so oh, well people have always said that you're kind of retro but no you're a total futurist man you're a futurist he just kept saying it I was just like, oh, I'm not sure about that <laughs> at all. <laughs> Same low, man. Jeez, oh. Oh. Um, I, I, 
see when uh, Jack White was at the, the height of his powers, which I would argue was, you know, probably round about the time of, what, like 2007 or so, um, the White Stripes, what, the, the, the record that featured um, Seven Nation Army, you'll forgive me if I've forgotten the name of the album. Elephant. Elephant, yeah. Oh, that's a lot, that's all early, that's 2003, I should See, say. Yeah. Um, so round about then, they were able to pull riffs and then entire songs out of thin air that sounded like both retro and up to the up to date up to that time period, yeah. and they felt familiar in a way that the like it was almost as if they were, you know, the the riff to Seven Nation Army feels like you should you know it's yeah. difficult to think about it's having it always been the first there. Time. It just feels like it's always been there. Um, and there's so many moments like that on on there and on White Blood Cells and, and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But the, the wackiness uh, is the thing I'm maybe struggling to get on board with now that seemed quite endearing at the time. So there's like the song on Elephant, I think it's got like bagpipes and stuff on. Um, and then there's the sort of, um, you know, there's, I, there's just... I was a bit later on, that was Icky Fump that had the bagpipes. Yeah, it, that, that sort of wacky stuff like has been has been part of his career, but and at the t- you know when it was in the white stripes, it felt right somehow. It just felt like part of the part of the overall effect. But this, I don't know. I, I don't know. I wish I could like this, but I just sort of can't. Okay. Um, I, think, I mean, this track, I think it forms a similar function to something like Black Math on Elephant. So it's the second track, and it is as you say, it's that kind of headlong ball of energy. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, if, it, if it's not working for you, then it's not doing its job, I guess. Yeah, let's stick that one in the bin, shall we? Sorry, everyone. Sorry, Jack White. He's probably not going to listen, so it'll be okay. Um, but no, he's a, he truly, truly, and uh, I don't want to keep labouring this point, truly Jack White was a hero of mine. Like, really, really, really. Um, and I think some of the music he's, he's made has been genius in the past. But it's just, this just isn't it for me. Um, I'll listen to the record. I will. I'll listen to the whole record this week. Um which you were saying the the record is quite good, you think? I think it's interesting. I don't, uh, I, I can't quite remember my mind up about it, but yeah, I've surprised myself how much I've I've been kind of interested in it after the previous couple. Mm. Okay, so not an entirely <laughs> positive review for Jack White there. Um, I, I, I just I want to really like Jack White's music. Today, you know, I'm I'm glad he's I'm glad he's still working. I'm glad like he's still making music. And I think if he came to Glasgow, I'd really seriously consider going to see his record, uh, see his show. Um, ah, but yeah, there we go. Um, right, so that takes us on to our third and final new track for this week, um, which is something a bit different. It's Chronics, um, with the track Never Give Up, and this is Reggae. So this is a little bit different again. Um, and then you want to say in advance to listen to this track, Andrew? Just that it's uh, produced by our uh, pod favourite, Inflow. Oh, is it really? Mm-hmm. Very good. Okay, so here we go. Chronics never give up.
Um, Chronics there with uh, Never Give Up um, so uh, yeah something about reggae infused this week what do you think of that Andrew? I really enjoy this track yeah absolutely and as I say the thing that kind of piqued my interest about it was the inflow connection so um, just been absolutely on fire recently and uh, the stuff he's been doing with Saul and Little Sims Cleo Saul Michael Kiwanuka Um and yeah, I thought it was quite interesting that, that he's now kind of branching out into doing some reggae stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so Chronics is um, a well-established and well-regarded uh, reggae artist. And uh, he actually had a record that was supposed to be ready to go in 2020, um, his second full length. And he decided to postpone the record. Um, due to lockdown, but also due to the fact that he'd just become a dad um, to a daughter, and he just said that he was enjoying being a dad so much that he just kind of put everything um, on hold at that point. That's nice. Um, yeah, really nice. And But now it seems like that record's not going to come out at all, and he's kind of just put it to the side, and it looks like now he's been working on some new stuff. So I, I don't know yet if this is going to be uh, a one-off track or part of an album. I'm not sure, but yeah, I just think this is a really nice example of something that's retro, but also feels like now as well. Yeah, yeah you should have tried that. Too. You should have tried that at your own work, Andrew, when your son was born. You should have just said, <laughs> "Sorry, guys, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna not do that for a while. I'm gonna just be a father for a little bit. <laughs> See you in a while. Catch you later." Yeah, I'm sure that would have gone down <laughs> wonderfully. Really well. I think the going back to the Chronics track. Um, the thing that I really enjoyed about it was the the production um, of this. It's really, really good. Yeah. Like everything's done really, really like very carefully, very tastefully. Everything's recorded like perfectly. Um, the groove, which I think a lot of reggae, and I am by no means a reggae expert, but a lot of the reggae, the reggae that I've listened to in my life, the thing that I mostly connect with is the groove is the feel mm-hmm. you know yeah. the, the pattern the shuffle um and uh it's really solid in this track it's really like um very pleasant to listen to also the the lyrics as well 
a really um, kind of uplifting and positive in style. There's nothing kind of like negative or, or sad. It's a good antidote to you know depressing, depressing world events or news or whatever. I think it's it, it does that, uh, and that's a hallmark of good reggae as well at times. No, absolutely. Yeah, I like the fact that every verse kind of touches on a slightly different aspect of life. Yeah, that, that you say never give up on. So I think the first ones. First verse is all about kind of like relationships and not giving up on love. Uh, the second one's kind of about more about lockdown, I think. It's kind of the idea of how many nights have we spent alone. Um, so it's like kind of never give up on, you know, fighting for, for what you kind of want. Um, and then the third one's about kind of never giving up in terms of um, when you're coming up against adversity. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of thing and when you're in pain so yeah I think it's qu- quite nice how he just kind of changes the perspective slightly from verse to verse there isn't any verses um, about doing music podcasts is there? <laughs> no? yeah <laughs> never give up even though nobody's listening <laughs> uh, I feel so that, seen man I'm happy to say that's not true for us if people <laughs> are actually listening which is good yeah yeah um, so uh, yeah so uh, it's a really really cool track I don't have masses to say about it to be honest I just I just like it. I just think it's really good. Yeah, I mean, same to be honest. Yeah, I think it kind of speaks for itself, but I think it's a really nice example of it. Um, Chris Blackwell, who is the guy that that ran Island Records and was kind of really responsible for bringing Bob Marley to kind of mass audience back in the 70s and bringing him to Britain. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's talked about the fact that he believes that this guy Chronix is a, is a real star mm-hmm. in the making. So I think he is... You know, somebody who's got a lot of potential to to become one of those kind of uh, figures that people look up to in terms of, you know, looking for that that some kind of voice that can unify people uh, in a kind of mass way. Yeah. So yeah, I think he's he's one to watch definitely as he as cool. it continues to grow. I'm seeing uh, one of the things I did uh, learn about earlier on when I was researching him a little bit was that his name Chronix, he's like named after his father's stage name. Uh, yes. a singer called Chronicle. That's right, yeah. So he was like a kind of dance hall star mm-hmm. uh, back in the day, yeah. So so family is obviously important to him. And given what you were saying about, you know, kind of giving up on music temporarily to focus on his family, that all that'll kind of makes sense, really, doesn't it? No, totally, yep. So cool. Seems like a good guy. Yeah, so um, that was a really enjoyable listen. Um, and I don't think we're going to beat it to death by trying to say a bunch of stuff when we just think it's a good song and that's it. <laughs> um, so that leads us, well, I was going to say neatly on, but it leads us on uh, fairly neatly, I think, onto our vinyl word for this week. Yes, indeed. Yeah. So the vinyl word this week links into uh, something that we're talking about with Jill there, uh, where I was asking her about uh, Bonnie Prince Billy and uh, the music that she'd, she'd made that was... Um, you know, um, delving into his catalogue. Mm-hmm. And um, one of, as, as I said to her, one of my favourite tracks on that project is her version of New Partner. Um, and that's the track that we're going to play it with today. Um, so this is a track that Bonnie Prince Billy has returned to countless, countless times over the course of his career. He's done acoustic versions, he's done country versions, mm-hmm. live versions. Um and yes, I think it is a really kind of key track for him in his catalogue. Um, and I think this version, the original version that he did uh, with Palace Music, is my favourite. 
Um, so this is a, from a record called Viva Last Blues, which was a 1995 record that he made with Palace Music, uh, produced by uh, Steve Albini. Uh, so it does have that kind of raw quality to it, yeah. uh, which I think really kind of comes through in the production and the vocals. And yeah, I just love it. I think it has a real kind of tenderness, a real kind of soulful quality to it. Um, reminds me a little bit of things like Neil Young and the stuff that he did with Crazy Horse, but also kind of plays into stuff that was happening in the kind of American underground at the time. So things like Slint, Slint and Tortoise and things like that. So yeah, I think it's a really lovely album and this is the standout track on it. Yeah, Will Oldham is one of the sort of Bonnie Prince Billy and, and uh, you know, he's one of those kind of like great reinventors of himself and he has like sort of different as you say, he's got this. He's got like a track like "New Partner," but he's recorded it like three, four different times with you know different inflections and different sort of mm-hmm. ideas. And then uh, even Jill sang it as well. So, <laughs> what a cool guy! No, he really is. Yeah, um, and yeah, I just encourage people to maybe take a bit of time to delve into his catalogue, his vast, vast catalogue this week. Um, a good idea. Time, time well spent. I think listening to Bonnie, Bonnie Prince Billy. Uh, and hopefully everyone listening to our podcast thought it was time well spent this week. So massive thanks to um, to Jill for uh, from Jill Lorian coming on and uh, chatting to us about her new record. Um, and thanks to you, Andrew, also for being my podcast pal. Thank you, Ian. <laughs> and uh, I guess thanks also to all the folk who listen to the podcast, interact with us every week on Instagram, Twitter and, and, and all that sort of good stuff. Um, and did you know, Andrew? That if people want to, they can support us in a number of different ways. Did you know really? that? Really? Yes. Sure I'm not. Tr- I'll say what I'm. G- I'm going to tell them how right now. That's what I'm about to do. That's my little skit at this part of the podcast. That's what I do. Um, so uh, yeah. So if folk want to uh, want to messages, uh, make suggestions, requests, questions, anything, please just please just get in touch. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at We Heard Wonders. Um, if you feel like you can support us uh, financially with the podcast, with our ongoing running costs, you can do that, no problem. Um, you can find us on www.buymeacoffee.com slash wonders, And all the money you send there just goes to our uh, lavish lifestyles. Am I right, Andrew? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I'll be buying some more Brazilian psych funk with, uh, with, the, proceed- with, the, with the money. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if, if, you, if you if you didn't buy Brazilian sight folk on vinyl in Dundee, I would think something's gone wrong with this boy this week. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, and all going well, uh, next week we'll have another sparkling interview for you. Yeah, another musical guest next week. Um, so, cool. Yeah. So, that leads us only to say goodbye. And here comes, uh, who we got? Who's, who's our vinyl word again, Andrew? Please remind us. It is Palace Music, and the track is New Partner. Thanks, bye. See you next week. There's a black-tinted sunset with the prettiest of skies Lay back, lay back Rest your head on my thighs There is some awful action That just breathes from my hand Just breaths from a deed So exquisitely grand And you're all alone 
It's a pavement which precludes the having of fun And you always on my mind 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 But Forget what you know 